Hello everyone, this is your video and podcast director, Marina McTee. Today, we have a two-part podcast for you from reporter Riley Levine, who sits down with Lisa Senecal, the chair of the Vermont Commission on Women, to discuss her work and the current and future political landscape of the country. This is part two of this podcast, so if you have not listened to part one yet, I recommend that you go and listen to that first, and then come back and listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy. You are now listening to our second episode of the podcast interviewing Lisa Senecal, the chair for the Vermont Commission on Women, the host of Vote for America, and the upcoming TV series we're speaking on Lincoln Project TV, and the co-founder of the Marin Group. Going back to what you said about potential legislation needing to be put in place in order to limit or hopefully stop the amount of misinformation coming out around elections and various other social issues, um, how do you skate the line between new legislation and not impeding on people's free speech, which is a common topic of conversation now? People don't worry about t- having their voices limited on social media. So how, how do you see uh, the legislation skating that line? Yeah, boy, Riley, I wish I had an easy answer to that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that to smarter people like Katie Porter and her whiteboard to be able to figure out the right way to do it. Um, I, I totally agree that First Amendment issues are incredibly important. And um, who is going to be the gatekeeper of what can and cannot be said in the public square? And that is what social media has become. It's our modern public square for sharing speech. Um, we do have to be incredibly careful about um, the speech that we limit. I mean, that's, that's one of the, the things that makes the United States um, wonderful and unique is that we, we do have free speech protections and, and that protects um, terrible speech as, as well as speech that we might agree with. Um, but there's a difference between Um, speech that we don't agree with and speech that incites violence um, and radicalizes people. And I I think there is that line of, um, you know, you can't, you can't shout fire in a crowded theater because that puts people at risk that that is speech, but it's not, you are not free to do something that puts the, the lives of others in harm's way. And that's what a lot of the speech that's happening in social media really is. And the groups that are forming, that is their intent. Uh, When you have neo-Nazis and white nationalists and proud boys um, using uh, social media platforms to organization, to organize, um, you know, a call to arms to go to specific locations, that is going beyond free speech. You are now um, actively working to get people to put other citizens of the United States in, har- in harm's way. So the, the difficult part is how do you find that line? And with the, the laws that are in place right now uh, for social media companies, if, if they don't adhere, uh, to the right side of that line, what's the repercussion for them? Because right now they're protected. Uh, they have a protection from legal liability for 
speech that is on their platforms. So uh, there's, you know, and there's good and bad of, of changing that legal liability. It's something Donald Trump very much wants to do right now because he's unhappy that this hate speech is being taken down because it's hate speech in support of him. So he wants to be able to sue the social media companies for not allowing uh, these vile organizations to gin up anger and hate and a call to arms in, in a lot of cases. Um, so, you know, you remove legal liability protections and you're allowing everybody to sue, both, both the people who are doing it for the right reasons and the people who are doing it for very bad reasons. Um, so I, I wish I had the answers. Fortunately, I think there are smarter people than I am who are um, in elected office. And, um, and I think there are a lot of organizations who work incredibly hard on these issues, who make sure that they are getting the information to the people who make our laws. And, and hopefully they get it right. And if we don't get it right, then you know, we have to go back and we have to keep working on it until we do get it right. Yes, speaking of uh, smarter people in office, uh, a lot of us watched the congressional hearings with Mark Zuckerberg and uh, the back and forth between uh, the founder of Twitter as well. Um, it, we, it, it is apparent that some elected officials don't have a comprehensive understanding that maybe some uh, younger individuals who are currently elected do to social media. So. So what do you think could be done there? Have uh, more experts voting, younger people who do know social media? What, what, what do you think would, would need to change there, especially since you are in the, the content creation um, industry? I, uh, you very nicely did not call a huge number of people currently serving in Congress dinosaurs, which is what so many of them are. Um, and, and those hearings were embarrassing. Um, you know, I, I'm right on the verge of being 52 years old. I, I have an understanding of social media, but certainly not the way digital natives like your generation do. And you go a generation uh, older than I am, and, and the questions were just embarrassing. They clearly had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. And I don't know if they hadn't been briefed well by their staffs um, about what the issues were and the technology is, or if it's just so much new information that being able to process that and really understand it so you can ask the really important questions, um, it, it's just too much to be able to do if you're not sort of living in that ecosystem all the time and, and you're not really comfortable with um, with social media and the digital world. So, you know, a lot, a lot of these senators, especially, they don't open their own emails. They, they have staffers who print emails off for them so they can read them on pieces of paper. And then you have them questioning someone like Mark Zuckerberg, who is going to be intentionally as obtuse and evasive as he possibly can, because he has uh, no desire to make the changes, it seems, uh, that need to be made. And he, he doesn't want to be held accountable for any of the stuff that happens on his platform. Um, so yeah, we need new blood in Congress. We do need more young people. And one of the, one of the really 
exciting things for me right now is to watch how engaged uh, your generation and um, millennials, you know, you, there is more political and social engagement now than there, have, there has been since the generations in the 1960s and early 70s. And it's, it's incredible to see. You guys have lived through so much during your formative years. And I know we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the new show that we're working on um, in a minute. But you all have lived through so much. Um, you've had the, the downturn in the economy uh, when Obama uh, was first taking office and we had to claw our way out of that. And a whole, whole generation of kids graduating from college really struggled. And we'll have um, a more difficult time financially for the rest of their lives probably because of the, how far back they started during that downturn. Um, you have the Me Too movement, you have Black Lives Matter, you have um, the COVID pandemic, which is um, going to shape so much about who you all are and the way you think and the way you function in the world. And you see the interconnectedness between what happens in, in a, a tiny market in China and a pandemic in the United States. And, and what are the the geopolitical and geohealth issues we need to be paying attention to. You're all um, so tuned into climate change because you have to be at this point. Um, you know, my generation, the generations before me have, have managed to colossally um, screw up the planet. And um, unfortunately, we're leaving it to you guys to figure out how to fix that, but, but we need more of your voices in positions of authority and power. And um, you know, not, not everybody who is in college or just out of college is going to run for Congress, and that's probably not gonna be successful for an awful lot of people anyway. But the grassroots work that you can do, the, the local politics that you can start getting involved in so early in high school, um, you know, we, we think about um, federal legislation and the, the U.S. House and Senate so much, but the majority of the laws that have an impact on all of our day-to-day -day lives, those are local and state laws that are being made. Those are ordinances in your town. That's, you know, whether or not you have mandatory recycling or, you know, as Vermont now has, we have mandatory um, composting. And so we're never going to have a federal composting law. Those are things that people on the ground in individual states, because we do have a, a federalized system of individual states making a, a lot of our own decisions and laws. That's where you guys can have an incredible impact. And then when we do have national elections, like we just did, and we will in 2022 for the midterms, you guys came out and you voted. Sorry. It made such a difference and, and it can continue to do that. You guys have to stay engaged. Um, and, it, and I hope what people saw, especially in some of these states that were really close again, and, and so many of the swing states are close every single election. Individual votes matter and your voices matter and you're marching in the streets 
and you you have so much more power your generation is huge you know boomers are god love them and i i have family members in that generation but the the boomers are passing away and the this young segment is more diverse and better educated and more in tune with what's going on politically and socially. So you have um, an outsized ability to have an impact on every single election that happens. If, if you all decide that you are going to make a change and you get out there and vote, you can do it because you have the numbers. The numbers are in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, so what, how uh, do you think the best ways to keep young people involved until those midterm elections come up? How, how do we keep uh, people of my generation uh, involved? Um, I think it's uh, organizations um, on campuses and um, starting in a lot of high schools, um, people really working hard to um, I identify the youth voters or the soon-to-be youth voters, the kids who are 17, um, you know, soon to be 18 years old, and um, keeping them engaged on individual issues. Figure out what their passion is. And, and this is something that all of you need to do too. What, what is that? You don't have to solve everything. It can be really overwhelming when you look at the totality of everything that needs to get fixed. But what we all have to remember is we don't all have to fix everything. We, we can pick one issue that we care deeply about and we can work on that because someone else is going to care deeply about those other issues and they can work on those. But as you stay engaged in making local change, social change, climate, change, what, whatever, you know, addressing food insecurity and food deserts, whatever it is that you're passionate about, passionate about, the more you stay engaged in that kind of work between elections, the more you stay informed, um, it, it becomes very natural and then habitual um, to be engaged in informed voters. And, you know, you know that I, I started taking you and your brother uh, to vote with me when you were little. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry for a second time during this interview, but that was really meaningful to me because I wanted you guys to be, um, to, to understand what it is to live in this country and have that ability to cast those votes and how incredibly important it is that, that thoughtful, um, caring people are getting their voices heard and creating the society that we all want to live in. Um, so yeah, stay engaged with organizations um, in between those elections. And, and it becomes very natural. Most of those are gonna slide right into political issues if they're not working on them all the time on a local level. And, and you will be swept right up into the next midterm elections or presidential election in four years. Um, and, and, and you'll already be there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a great answer. And I hope that we, we can keep that level of interest as stoked as it was um, over the past couple of months now. 
So uh, like you mentioned, We're Speaking is a new show that you're working on uh, bringing uh, into existence. So um, what's the show? What, uh, who's the audience for it that you'd like to touch on? And uh, what kind of impact are you hoping the show can make? Um, well, I, I hope from the title, We're Speaking, um, it gives a, a bit of a clue for folks about what the show is going to be about. It was inspired, um, the name was inspired by Kamala Harris during the debate with Mike Pence um, when she had to tell him on numerous occasions, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking, because he felt he had the re right to bulldoze over her and not allow her to talk and, and say what she needed to say, which was important for all of us to hear. And uh, so this show is going to be targeted to women. Um, we want it to be multi-generational and multicultural, um, multi-racial. There is, women make up 51% of the electorate in this country. When you combine that with racial minorities, we are a massive voting block that can turn elections every time we want to if we all become engaged and and active and we we get out and vote so we're going to be talking about a, a lot of different issues um everything from um you know racial and gender equity to criminal justice reform policing reforms um, the wage gap between men and women, uh, sexual harassment, employment discrimination, um, and, and taking a lot of those different issues and having multi-generational conversations because uh, a millennial, a Gen Xer, and a boomer talking about the same issue see those things really differently and it's important to have those conversations so we all understand each other better and this the same thing is true across races um, a, a white woman in the united states is living a very different uh lived experience than a woman of color is particularly black women um it's certainly a, a lot of latinas so um we want to make sure that we're we're having conversations that not only educate the the public but we want to be informing um each other and the way we're thinking you know i will have conversations with people younger or older than i am i will have conversations with people who are um of different racial backgrounds and uh, i'm going to learn a lot uh, i i'm going to see things that I don't see now because my lived experience is as a white woman living in Vermont. That's very different than a woman of color uh, living in Atlanta. So um, those conversations are important. We want to, uh, we also want to uh, give a platform for, for women to be heard. Um, we have a lot of important stuff to say. We have important voices. We have solutions that are not uh, heard to the degree that they should be because there aren't enough women at the table in pretty much anywhere still. 
So, and that's certainly true of racial minorities. So it will, it'll be a platform to get voices out. And then we want to be able to, we'll, as things move closer to elections, we're going to be talking about some of the specific um, senators and members of the House who have been complicit for the past four years in the degradation of our democracy under Donald Trump. And uh, we're going to be targeting those races and working hard to make sure that they don't serve another term and that they are going to be replaced with someone who, who is going to care about what our priorities are. So uh, where can our listeners go to see Vote for America, which there are many episodes out already now, and then uh, where can they go see We're Speaking when it comes out? Yep, you can um, either on Facebook or um, Twitter, you can go to LPTV and those, those different channels and you can stream the past shows and then um, both of those shows are uh, currently running right now. I'm just not working on Vote for America now because I'm working on this new show. Um, those are still live streaming a couple of times a week each. And you can go to the YouTube channel that has um, all of the episodes of The Breakdown, which is the, the nighttime show with Rick Wilson and, and Tara Setmeyer. They're phenomenal and very funny and um, far more irreverent than I felt comfortable being during a, a daytime show. And, um, and Vote for America, you can stream all the, the episodes on, on YouTube as well. And even though the election's passed and it's dated information now, it's, it's this uh, cool little time capsule that's been created that you can go back and you can see the progression of what was happening during the campaign and how the messages were changing and you know the, all the things that you forget happened. Um, because every day during the Trump presidency, we woke up and there was some new or multiple new, unbelievable, unprecedented, that word got so worn out in the past four years, but there were so many unprecedented things that he did, uh, rapid fire coming at the American people, um, that, that we have a tendency to forget all of them. And it's kind of shocking now to go back and, and uh, I don't know, re relive the outrage, um, but now from a distance knowing how it turns out, which is, you know, we have, we have a new president being sworn in on January 20th. And we have the first African-American woman, South Asian woman, um, as a, a woman, <laughs> period, as vice president of the United States. And that's, that's an incredible glass ceiling that was broken. Great. Well, we'll all be looking forward to that new show coming out. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk about all the topics that we ran through today. It's a lot of information. Um, everyone go check out the Lincoln Project, Vote for America, and be on the lookout for We're Speaking. Um, even though the election is over, it's important to remember that history repeats itself. And just because Donald Trump isn't president anymore, there uh, is definitely opportunity for uh, a figure like him to come back. He can run in 2024 if he wants. And there are many people who supported him still in office. So, but thank you so much, uh, Lisa and mom, for taking the time out to, to teach Westminster a little bit about uh, what you guys are all doing. Uh, thank you so much. You know, I love you and I love Westminster. I really appreciate having the, the platform to talk with you about this.